Hello and welcome to season two, episode one, or episode 15 in total. I've taken a little bit of a break from uh, recording and um, editing, publishing uh, the podcast purely because one Thursday I went on holiday for, for um, uh, 10 days uh, to Cornwall and I wasn't able to get any recording done over there, but um, it was absolutely beautiful to say the least. Um, I would definitely be going back because um, yeah, it was just an amazing bit of coastline. I went far and wide, explored the whole of Cornwall, stayed near, it was in Bodmin near um, in Newquay, so it was in the base, just travelled all around. It was, it was um, amazing. We caught, I caught up with my mate Matty Dyers, who has been on the podcast, and uh, we went for a little tour stroke run he did a walking tour with a guide and i just ran uh, down the coastline from uh, lou to paul perro and um, yeah you can see uh, some of the pictures on my uh, instagram at tandra89 if you want to go check them out yeah, it was uh, absolutely beautiful um, amazing over there so i'd definitely definitely go back there again um, number two i am packing up and trying to move house in the so it's a really really busy um, in terms of trying to get all packed up and ready to go and Sure, many people know that it's, it's an absolute nightmare selling house, uh, especially during these times as well, because um, there's 10 buyers to one seller. But I managed to luckily get the sale quick, and we're just um, now going through the process of getting all that sorted. So, again, that was uh, another reason why I've just taken a little bit of a break uh, from recording. But it's time nicely because um, we've done 14 episodes, this is number 15, so 14 episodes in total. Uh, so, 14 episodes with roughly um, it's going to be about a quarter of a year. So that way it's kind of split it into four quarters for a year so that'll be a quarter we've done a quarter of the podcast i'm going to change um the the, the, the format a little bit as well and um, instead of I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a bit more of a, a biohacking fitness uh, focus um because like as i keep speaking to people all these conversations keep veering towards and what people are doing in terms of how they're better themselves, 1% better, trying to self-optimize themselves, trying to improve their diet, their sleep, um, all these things that are kind of a bit buzzwordy at the minute, but kind of because obviously I went through my injury and I'm still still going through my my whole um, self-treatment of my injury on my hip um, and how to manage pain. I've been delving deep into this for like two years now and maybe more and three years and um, after speaking to a lot of people on interviews they all agree that like I think it must be an age thing getting to, into your 30s you start to think of longevity in life and having having kids and stuff it really does uh, kind of uh, you know ring true that you need to look after your body and yourself so I'm actually currently in um, sober June um, at the minute I'm just gonna take it one day at a time but yeah I'm two weeks in and I am starting to feel fresh as a daisy at first I'm not gonna lie well first I'm not gonna lie it was absolutely off because it's just a massive hangover isn't it the first three days after a big a big session of the bank holiday last last uh, last bank holiday and then um, I decided to, to after the first so I've decided to go drive for June and then the first three days like I said bad hangover then after that I had a great four days, but then after that, it's like up until yesterday, I think it was, it was like 10, 10, 11 days in. Mentally, I felt like um, it was torturous. Obviously, I'd, I'd just, that's, after doing some research, I was reading, it's just how long it takes your body to process all the alcohol out of your system. It's not like I was an alcoholic or anything, but I mean, I, I like to drink like everyone else, but the effects that alcohol has, it's a poison at the end of the day, your bioaccumulation of all toxins within your liver. It just uh, it takes two weeks, three weeks to get out of your system and to feel normal. So I've got a clear head, clear mind, clear focus, and I'm ready to see how good I feel the next week and the week after. So I'm just taking it one day at a time, just 
you know, my, this might change my habits for good. And uh, when I'm coaching people and telling people about lifestyle changes, this is what I was doing. I tell them to, get, have to, to at least give something two weeks to start to see a change. Because again, like alcohol is just another uh, adapt, adaption of your diet. You, you're changing your diet. Alcohol is obviously a macro, and that that it, it takes to to take that completely out of your diet will take uh, your body up to two weeks or more to, to, to adjust to that new change, to, to, to remove that macro out of your diet and to replace it with obviously um, you know, quality, quality foods and, and different foods to take that extra bit of cal- calorie out of your, your diet, then it does take a while to, to adjust and adapt. So I'm definitely feeling the benefits now, two weeks in. So yeah, I'll keep up to date with that. And um, yeah, so moving on, what I've been doing is from my last uh, conversation with Owen Livesley, uh, we spoke about MMA and uh, the, the chat went down really well. I got some really good feedback and it was a great story from Owen and I really enjoyed uh, hearing how he got to where he is today and he's, he's now won his second fight, his second professional fight, which I watched, which uh, he was comfortable in uh, victory, to be honest. He just, um, it, was, it was over within a matter of uh, seconds, really, the first round win, uh, submission. Uh, so yeah, but I, I'm, and from from that point on, I, after speaking to Jamie Acton and Owen, I've started to do a little bit of uh, fighting myself, just to just to add a, another string to your bow, just to try another new sport, put yourself in, a, in out your comfort zone, and just try to grow by putting yourself in uncomfortable positions. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I'm, I can't get down too often because it's during the day that I want to go to, but and uh, with childcare, it's pretty pretty hard to get down there, but. I am enjoying learning a new skill, even though I'm getting submitted and tapped out on a regular basis. It is, uh, it is, it is still fun and enjoyable. If um, if you know what I mean, <laughs> it is good. So I'm uh, excited to see where I can go with that. Um, and finally, yeah, uh, the open water swimming. I'm back training for triathlons, and I've uh, been taking up open water swimming again. It's now all the places open. Uh, with you swim open water in Salford and at Boundary Park in uh, Manchester. It's uh, I've, I've managed to get quite a few people down, um, including James Lathwaite, who and Michelle, his wife, who we've got on the podcast today. Now, James, I used to play rugby with at Lee and Toronto, and I uh, really started to form a, a good connection with James when um, we were both injured. And we're both in that situation where you all the injured players are kind of together and. You're just a little bit segregated from the actual team, and you start to just form a, a bond because you're going, you're going to food together, meals together, blah, blah blah. And then we ended up just uh, staying in contact, and of recent times, he's uh, been really, really good friend of mine, and we've, we've been uh, doing open water swimming and talking about longevity and his business as he owns uh, Fuel Hub, and uh, with his wife Michelle, and he started a business around the same time as me when I started my gym, uh, the first gym and yeah so it was uh, interesting to just catch up with James talk about his rugby career he, he had some terrible injuries he's, he's had um, leg breaks on the same side he's had uh, three or four to be honest uh, tip fib complete uh, ruptures his ankle was facing backwards at one one point where I was I was playing a game uh, for, for Lee against Warrington at the time I was only a few metres away and the crack was like unbelievable so he tells you about, about that and also he's broke his neck as well and how he's managed to come back from all these injuries and how he's used all these negatives as positives in in their business as well, and um, how he's now progressing in life. So, yeah, the, you'll hear a conversation with me and J- uh, Jams, as I call him. And uh, at the end, the last eighteen minutes, uh, Michelle, his wife and, and business partner, comes on and talks about what they have planned for Fuel Hub, and um, it's um, the, the the company that they have, which is 
it's 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 a food 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 um, delivery company. They don't like to call it meal prep because they like to advocate that they're selling restaurant quality food, which I've tasted myself and it is uh, bob on. So, uh, without any further ado, here's the conversation with me, James Lathway, and then at the end, Michelle Lathway. Enjoy. Obviously, why I st- started doing the podcast and kind of obviously the business of what what I was doing is because obviously I got injured and uh, I had to leave rugby, so it was like a, a more of me trying to biohack myself and get myself back to fitness in terms of not fitness for rugby because that was kind of the ship had sailed kind of thing, but yeah. more in terms of just like you know trying to better bet myself and make myself like feel better daily from for, like in terms of. Uh, fitness and yeah. my pain levels and stuff like that and obviously you know that yeah. that's like with your leg and, and what's happened with you so like yeah, my 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 journey into this was kind of from a, a standpoint of um being in pain and being struggling with obviously having to retire from rugby in that in that sense and like a lot of people kind of get into this kind of space because something's happened to them and obviously that's obviously yeah. not different with kind of you because you're you're obviously big into like, oh yeah it's probably a probably a good thing to be honest mate like I had to retire at 27 um and if I didn't have these injuries I might have still been playing into my 30s and getting to an age where you, you're getting a bit bit older to to do something like this so it's it's got its pros and cons yeah so let's uh, obviously that's that's kind of like why I wanted to get into it and obviously from that from that point on then it's just kind of like snowballed in terms of I want to like um try and find every little kind of hack and improvement and how to better live your life so that you can just not feel foggy headed or, um, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, trying to, you're firing all, all cylinders all the time. And that's kind of uh, where, where we're kind of going and obviously want to try and talk about your, um, your, your diet and kind of how you, how, well, obviously you day to day, what you do, and then that can go on to kind of yeah. you, you setting up obviously fuel hub and all that which is obviously what we're gonna what we're gonna get into so let's just go yeah, back yeah. to let's just go back to rugby obviously um briefly you don't have to go massive into detail but let's go briefly back into i played against you a couple of times in terms of like academy growing up and then playing uh in uh the, the academy view in warrington i was at saints and um what was it like in terms of for me it was i i found the whole process of rugby obviously it was great uh, like I think we touched on it before, the, other, the other day, saying it was great. You know, um, when we when we were younger and there was no, there was less pressure and it wasn't, it wasn't like it was all for fun. But then when it got to uh, professional, it was it was kind of um, the fun was taken out of it. And I hear a lot of people who speak about this is like it does happen that like the the fun gets out of it. And um, what was what was the experience like for you in terms of obviously you played in some massive games. You you got to some you, you got some great uh, like accolades that there. So what was it like for you? Some of the process of obviously like getting into rugby. How did you even get into it? And then like moving forward and then like your kind of take on the the, the rugby league life 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 as such. Yeah, well, my my some of my fondest moments of playing rugby were when I was when I was younger, playing in the academy, uh, playing against you when I was eighteen at Warrington, in the under eighteens, in the under twenty ones. Um, they're definitely some of my fondest memories. Like I made. The mates I made in them them days are probably the mates that I've still got now compared to, to when I was older. Uh, we used to obviously play on a Saturday. We'd, we'd go out on a Saturday night. It'd be just, there'd be a lot less pressure on you. You'd be going to college for the week, training weeknights and playing on a weekend. And it just seemed like them days was, was a lot less pressure and you could enjoy it a bit more, like you say. Um, I got into rugby when I was when I was about 12, uh, just, just in like the Warrington service area, which it was called at the time from school. Um, and just went up through through the 
through the ranks each year, 12, under 12s, under 13s, all the way up um, until I was until I was 16 into the under 18s, and I think I signed signed for the first team when I was about 19, um, and then um, yeah, I had a couple of couple of loan spells. I went to Hull KR, I went to Lee, so I did have to bide my time quite a bit before I made my, my first team debut. Uh, I think I was I think it was 19, 19 or twenty when I made me my first team debut for Warrington, but I made my Super League debut before that when I was on loan at Hull KR. Um, and my first, my first game was actually um, Hull Derby, Hull KR against Hull FC, uh, which was pretty massive and daunting when I was that age. I was living away from home. I was, I was sharing a house with Matty Russell, who was on loan at Hull FC. I was on loan at Hull KR, and we both played against each other in that, in that derby. So it was, um, yeah, it was quite a mad time, really. And what was it like? Um, so you, you said you obviously moved out. You lived you lived out there as well. Like you just was it? Um, yeah, whole KR you went to. Yeah, yeah. I only um, I only did did about five games. Five games there. I was playing in the the reserves at Warrington, and and the coach from Hull KR at the time he, he rang up our academy coach Richard Marshall. Said he's been watching me. I'm doing well, and he wanted to set me in the first team. So I was playing in the reserves. I'd never played first team. I'd never played Super League. And this this coach from Ulkia wanted me to go up and go straight into the first team. So I was, it was quite a big thing at the time. I remember speaking to my family and my friends, and that I was like, Jesus, like he wants he wants me to go up there, live away from my family in a house where I don't know, and play straight into Super League when I'd never even played a Super League game. And the jump from from the reserves, the academy to Super League is pretty big. So it was um, it was quite daunting at the time, but one I always look back on and I always remember it. Well, I had, I had a similar, well, I wasn't living away or anything like that, but like with my kind of inauguration inauguration to like rugby was um, a similar kind of situation. It was like, oh, Francis Melly was like, didn't turn up for, for training for the first five, uh, th- three weeks or four weeks of, uh, of of the new season. He just couldn't get a visa or something. I can't remember the, the actual details. And he's like, all right, so I'm, you trying to just, you're jumping on the wing like this week and like that, that just chucking you in at the deep end. It was mad because obviously like you, I just played. You just played again. Yeah, yeah. That, that step up, and we played. Um, what was it? Was, was uh, Warrington? Yeah, we played Warrington. Uh, yeah, yeah. the Road, and like we kept, we were losing like you know 16, 24. No, it's twenty four nil at half time, which is like the one of the biggest turnarounds in um, rugby rugby league uh, history. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, we ended up we ended up turning around and coming back and winning. Which is yeah, yeah. Football. Like you say, when throwing you in at the deep end, I don't know what it was, but like when we were go, like coming up through the ranks in the under 18s like all the, all the players in the first team then. They, they seemed like they were older and bigger and bigger names. Like, yeah. if you know what I mean. Look, looking back then, I remember when I was like eighteen. I was looking at the Warrington first team. The, the guys that I was trying to push out, like Benny Westwood, Trent Waterhouse, David Solomon, Louis Anderson. Yeah. Like the, these guys, it, it seems like it's changed a bit now. There's a lot more youth coming through, and the team, the squad, seem a lot younger. Like I know your Saints team at the time when you were coming through. Some of them names in that team were like were massive, weren't they? Yeah, like Gidley and uh, Cunningham and Longley. you have Jamie Jamie Lyon and stuff Jamie like that. Lyon, yeah. <laughs> I'm like now just like, oh yeah, Tom jump it jump in at centre. So you're gonna you're gonna push out Jamie Lyon and Gidley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was that didn't happen much. But anyway, yeah, just jug, jug it. But like oh, sorry, you're saying that, but don't you think that's a bit of a perspective kind of situation where like you're you're thinking that people are younger because now you're older, you're one of these bigger people. In terms of mentally how you see yourself in the mirror, like would you like at the time, you felt like a little obviously inferior. You're you're this young 
buck, fresh kid coming through, trying to push out the likes of these superstars, when in reality, they were only 27 to 31, uh-huh. do you know what I mean? Like, and now obviously we're that age. Like, it's yeah. like, um, it's like, if, if you came and walked in now at this age, it would be different. It would be a totally different scenario. You're like a lot, a lot of a, like you're a man now. At that, that time when you were like 18, you are a, you are still a kid. You are a boy. Do you yeah, know? yeah. It does. Yeah, you used to look when you when you're like 18, 19. You look at like 27, 28 year old. You seemed old at the time, but you soon yeah. realise that you're still young, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think I had this kind of similar complex where I was like. Oh God, I can't. You, you, you just see yourself as this boy in the mirror when you, well, like that's what I felt like. I felt like, oh yeah, okay, I'm, I'm tall, I'm lanky, whatever. I've, I've played rugby since I've been five or whatever. But then you still look at yourself as a child, and that's what I felt like I did until I was like, you get to a point where you're like, I don't yeah, know, yeah. 25, 26, 27. That's when you're like, all oh, right, okay, now I'm a man. Yeah, but then yeah. it's like that. Those, those initial uh, yeah. games and those, those initial few years have just kind of passed because you've been thinking. I, I think that's a, it's a mindset thing. I think, in my in, in my opinion, yeah. Like even even when I retired, like, I I still felt like I was young and I was still like starting off and coming through. It was like I was I was only I think twenty seven, like eighteen months ago um, when I finished. Um, but I was only like twenty seven. It felt like I was still coming through. Like when yeah. all the players say to you, like take every take it all as it comes and don't take it for granted. You, you, your career just flashes before your eyes. Like it, it's so true. Like I think from making the debut to to finishing, I think I had about nine, eight or nine years, and that that just like flown. I oh, spent man. most of it. I spent a lot of it injured, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but still, like, um, we yeah. well, we so since we've talked about injury, we might as well just like go to it. So like, um, so let your highlights of rugby. What did you? What what you made your highlights of rugby then? Or was it just like you like you said before you touched it? You say like making friends that was like that's like stuck out to me so like friends that like for life kind of thing that's like a, a, a well you you said that earlier so I think that that's something that clearly is a, a benefit for you in in terms of rugby because or was it was there a particular game or a, a series of games or a time in, in or a team that you played in because for me it was like um the the team of like the lead team where we were just like unbeaten for two years and like the the, the camaraderie the, the 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 banter like that everyone singing from the same hymn sheet it was just like it was like you could you can't you can't put those same group of people in that situation together again you just can't recreate that system if you know what i mean because it was just like everyone was paid the similar wage it was all young lads coming through we were all between like 19 to 25 there was only one who was like older with bob bezik he was like 28 at the time which was the oldest player in the team do you know what i mean so like it was just a, a a beautiful mix of people and and not no no egos or very little egos apart from liam k but he's always got an ego. <laughs> um yeah yeah so it's like that for me was my like highlight just like me making those friends and like just feeling like you're not going to lose because you just got all your pals around you you know what i mean what yeah what? yeah like like I, I had some good memories when i was younger like the england the england academy stands out we we had a tour against australia and, and we won that tour we, we beat them in every game um that, that that stands out um but yeah coming making a debut coming through at warrington the first couple of years i had a decent run without injuries i think it was like 2021 20, i had a decent run and the senior players at the time was was michael monaghan joel monaghan trent waterhouse um, Adrian Morley, Gareth Carvel, all them, Mickey Iam, Lee Braz. And that group of players, they, they stick out with me a bit, like growing growing up and coming through. And they were all guys that I watched when I was younger and admired. And to be amongst them playing um, was pretty special. And I made some pretty good friendships with them. 
Um, still speak to to Trent um, a bit and the Monaghans and, and people like that. But that that sort of time sticks out. We played some big games as well. Tony Smith was coach and um, he was a really good coach. He was a good man manager and he um, he, he taught me a lot. Um, and we had some big games. We played in uh, World Club Challenges. Um, we had two of them um, when I was there. We played in a few Challenge Cup finals. I didn't play in them. I think I was injured for a couple. I didn't get selected for one, but we went to Wembley three times with the first team. We went to Grand Final a couple of times. I didn't play in them, but I was still part of the squad. Um, I played in a couple of semi-finals um, to get to the to Grand Final, one which we we lost. Um, we literally Richie Myler missed a drop goal in the last minute, and then Wigan Wigan collected the ball, went down the other end and scored. Oh, I remember. Um, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, so that was like the closest I probably ever got because I was playing well at the time and I'd played in the quarters, the semis, and I think if Rich would have like got that drop goal, I would have played in the grand final. So that um, that's one that got away. Was that the same and, year that we played? Oh, no, that wasn't the same year we played you because that's where you got your, your massive injury in the first five minutes, 10 minutes, wasn't it? The 15 minutes. Yeah, I, rem- I remember that. When you're talking about the league team then, there was a lot of... A lot of big like egos and characters in that team. I remember like Jay Kemmett just giving me shit like during the game. <laughs> um, like he's a he touch at some shit, doesn't he? But um, yeah, there was quite a it was, it was a good game. Like, I, I got injured about five minutes into the second half of that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a bad injury. That I know you want to touch on. Yeah, on so let's, yeah, well. let's just go. Let's just go straight into like kind of um, injury, and then also kind of how you mentally try and deal with injuries during rugby and like kind of I don't want to like kind of bag rugby but like kind of the the there needs to be obviously some more help that like the lads get because for me having injuries like the loneliest loneliest part of the, the, the game and like it's it's just complete segregation so we'll go for let's sit like what how do you get your injuries what what injuries have you got and why kind of how do you think that they came about or was it just complete like un- unluckiness or was it a case of potentially it could have been from something else that's kind of just... Uh... Yeah. Um, how long have we got on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> We've only been going 15 minutes so it'll be all right. Oh, we got enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So yeah, my first injury come, I broke my leg when I was about 16, 17 in the academy at Warrington. Yeah. Um, so that was a broken leg. I probably, I'm probably out for about three or four months. But that's when it all started. Like leading up to that all through the the younger ages and, and stuff. I never had any injuries. Broke my leg. I was in year 11 of school, uh, doing my GCSEs at the time. Um, and yeah, I broke my leg. That was the first one. I recovered from that, all good. A couple of years later, um, I was on loan at Swinton from Warrington, playing away at Featherstone. Um, ran the lead on a like standard playing rugby where you have a lead, someone out the back. I've ran the lead. The guy out the back kind of ran into me. The tacklers have tackled him, fell onto the back of my leg. Leg snapped again. Same leg. Um, so do you not know, so do you know think a, obviously kind of that's just to interrupt you there. Is it like the, obviously the same leg? Did it the, like these these injuries kept happening? Do you think it's it, it was connected to like the first one? Is it like a weakness form there or? I don't, I don't think so. From the first leg to the second leg, I had a couple of years and I was, I was playing well. It was strong. The, the doctor, the surgeon said, look, it's healed fine. It'll probably be stronger than the other leg because when you break your bone, all the, um, what do you call it? The, the bone tissue grows stronger. Um, so this second one, I think it was unlucky. The way that the player's been tackled, he's landed on the back of my leg. It was just an unlucky one. Um, so I've come off, gone to hospital, 
x-rays and stuff, broke your leg again, left leg. Missed about four or five months through that one. Recovered from that again. Um, loads of physio. Luckily, we had really good physios at Warrington at the time. Um, ben Sterling, it was. Um, he, he was a he was annoying at times, but he was a good physio. Um, and he was he was really good with me. He put a lot of effort into getting me back fit. So I come back from that, and I was training well, and that's when I made me first team debut and stuff. Things were going well. I had that's when I had my best run of a couple of years. I got got quite a few games in, um, and then against Lee. Um, just out of nowhere, I think it was about 23 at the time. Um, playing well, kicked off. Tom Spencer's charging the ball in. He runs straight at me. I put a shot on him. Uh, wasn't really a shot. I kind of <laughs> a bit of it. <laughs> and then a few, few more players have got involved, and somehow my legs got caught in the ground. He's carried on leg driving like Big Spencer does, a big, big dopey thing. And yeah, my legs kind of stayed he's carried on leg driving legs twisted and that was a bad one I got a double fracture dislocated ankle um, basically my foot was facing the opposite way facing facing the ground I got a tib fib fracture um, really bad I was in agony I was, yes, I was, like, I was, literally, I was literally like <laughs> I don't know 10, 10 foot away like just uh, foot, that, that looks, that looks painful pro- yeah you probably heard it snap mate but oh yeah it was a big the gas and air come on. I think even Bob Bezik, who was stood next to me, I think he even like was getting a bit squeamish and Bob doesn't show much emotion. No. Um, so, yeah, I've gone off gas and air. I knew it was a bad one, but I don't know if it was as bad as I thought, but I've had all the x-rays, seen top surgeons, and they said basically like this was a really bad one. Um, I missed 18 months of rugby with this. Um, so it was a lot of physio. Tony Smith was good with me. He gave me a couple of like weekends away here and there to like, to sort my head out because the amount of physio was just relentless and you're not with the lads you're still training every day but you're on your own little bit just doing your all your wobble board and you're doing yeah. single leg stuff and it's just it gets very boring I was doing a lot of swimming yeah. um, but Ben Sterling like I said he managed to get me in places like Man City where they had uh, water treadmills so all through my recovery I could get on these water treadmills to build up my strength and everything I was doing hyperbaric chamber, which you basically go in this chamber, they suck out all the oxygen and yeah. it's supposed to help your muscles. I was doing cryotherapy at the time. Um, so I was doing loads, everything I could to get it right. And it still took me 18 months to get back. But during that 18 months, my contract was coming to an end with Warrington because I missed so much rugby, they didn't renew it. Yeah. So I had to kind of think, what do we do now? So I rang... Um, or Paul Rowley rang me. I think he was creating Toronto Wolfpack at the time. Um, He's creating this team. He wanted to find some lads. He rang me, he said, Jams, he said, I know you've been out for ages. Um, you've got a chocolate leg, but how's it How's it looking? He said, can you get back playing? And would you be able to like play for me next season at Toronto? But I was, I was close to getting back playing and I was feeling good and was training more. So I said, yeah, I will be able to. So I signed for Toronto and I got straight back into pre-season um, and I signed for that for Toronto for that first year and I had a good year with them um, everything was going well um, so that was the third leg break and then from Toronto I signed to Bradford yeah. um, and from there I got another another break um, so I broke my leg again um, this one was near the top um, what's it called now tibula something and mm. um, it was just a strange one but yeah, yeah that's when it, yeah 
top top of me like top of my leg just below my knee. Um so this was quite a bad one. Um again. And this is all on the so left yeah. side. This is all left side, everything's left. This is all left left leg every time. It's madness oh, though because I've, I've 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 just you got you got like all this like you know con- constant rehab constant like effects on one side it's got to all be related in terms of not all related but like there's got to form some kind of knock on effect that like so that knee uh, or the, the the tendons and muscles and obviously the, the connective tissue around that area at the top might have been overworking during the when you would rehab in the bottom half of your leg do you know what I mean if you. If you like, yeah. I just feel like Maybe. I feel like it's just there's there's too much <laughs> too too many things going wrong in like in, on one side. It just feels like it's got yeah, to have you'd some think, kind you'd of. Think that, you'd think that like I I thought it was strong and it was healed, but there might have been things there where, um, like you say, I've over rehab the bottom half and the leg. My ankle was solid, but mm. this fourth time I broke it was at the top. So it looks like the way the players tackled me, that the break, it's kind of bypassed the bottom, which was strong. It's gone to the top, mm. and it's snapped at the top. Mm. Uh, but, but like I say, I was just unlucky. But these four broken legs, Tom, they were just four breaks in amongst other things as well. Yeah. Uh, I broke my neck at Toronto, fractured mm. C3. Yeah. Um, so fractured C3, Jack Bussey's gone into a tackle. Um, he was playing for Toronto. We were playing against Salford in the Challenge Cup. He's gone into a tackle. He's missed the player. All his weight's gone through the side of my neck. Um, I pretty much, I felt my ear like touch my shoulder and I've heard it crack really loud. Um, so I've broken my neck there. I was lying on the floor for about 10 minutes. I lost feeling in my arms and my hands. Um, I remember the physio running on and um, he was like, squeeze my fingers. And I was just like, I, I can't. I've, like, I've got nothing there, just pins and needles for about 10 minutes. So that was scary. Yeah. Um, I was really panicky on that. Going, one. What was going through your head there at that point? Because obviously, like, you hear these crazy stories, like you losing, like, yeah. loose use of your arms and legs. So, like, were you just like, yeah, well, panicking or I were could, you just like thinking, just get through this second or like, I could, I could move my legs and my, and my toes, but it was my upper body that was just gone. And I think I was a bit in shock and stuff. So, I didn't really have time to, to think too much about like other people who've been in that situation. So, I kind of, I got on the stretcher, went into the changing room, and after about 10, 15 minutes, the feeling started coming back. So it was a bit of a relief. Yeah. Um, but they, they shipped me off to hospital, and I had x-rays again. And initially, they just said it was bad whiplash. Um, so they, mm. sent me away from, they sent me away from hospital. I've gone home. I've, been, I've not been able to move at all. I was in agony, but they, they were the experts who said it's just bad whiplash. So I've gone home. I've, I've sat on the sofa. I've got in bed. And I was thinking, oh, no, this is, this is serious, this. And literally the next morning, about 6 a.m., the hospital rang me, said, Mr. Lathwaite, we've gone over your x-rays again and we've found a fracture in your neck. Um, can you come back in ASAP? Don't drive, get someone to bring you. So next morning I went back in, the x-rayed it again, put a neck brace on me, and that was me for six weeks then with this neck brace on. Uh, so that, that was another, another injury, like just another, another bad one. That, that, that is I, I, obviously I, I think I remember you obviously being in the neck brace because I was obviously at the time I was struggling with my hip and I was injured so I was like I was I felt like I was I wasn't really at Toronto do you know what I mean I was assigned for Toronto but I, I didn't even I didn't even spend more yeah. than like six weeks like with the lads I was just in the physio room because my hip and that was it then I just like I, yeah it was gone um, but yeah so I, I remember I remember the thing but I didn't know obviously the the backstory of how it happened, but that sounds that sounds mental. But like, so they went. You went to the hospital, and then the hospital like X-rayed, and then just said, "Oh no, yeah, it's, it's nothing." The X-ray, the X-rayed it. Um, 
they put, they put me straight in a net brace as soon as I got there, had me on the bed, uh, did all the x-rays. And then after a few hours, surgeon comes in, or the doctor, and he said, look, Mr. Lafeway, we just we, we can't see anything. We just think it's bad whiplash. So they've sent me home. Um, not, I don't even think I had a net brace on, to be honest. <laughs> and like that night at home, I remember just thinking like, Jesus, like, yeah. I'm, I think I got a few of my mates around just to, just to come round and just like sit with me really because I was in that much pain. Yeah. Um, and literally my phone was ringing at 6am the next day. I had loads of painkillers that night, so I didn't really know where it was. Mm. Um, and they said, can you come back in as soon as possible? I found a fracture in your neck. Just it's like, just like that, that kind of situation. It's like you, you hear it so, so often. Like you just, I feel like, was this just a, like the normal hospital? Or did you go straight through the rugby or was it? I, I, went, I, went, to Sol- I went to Salford, um, Salford Royal, which they specialise quite a lot in, in neck, neck and stuff yeah. and head. Um, but it was only a small fracture. I think mm. I was back playing within, within three or four months. Yeah. Um, so like the rehab, I couldn't really do anything mm. with the neck. I just had to let it heal. But then I had about a few weeks of rehab, like loads of loads of neck stuff. It was a bit, um, it was quite a, quite a strange rehab program compared to what I was used to with my leg. Yeah. But then I come back from that, back playing at Toronto. Um, but I just I never felt like as confident yeah. after that tackling. Um, I, I got over it eventually, but the first few weeks coming back from that, it was, it was it was a tough one really. Just like you just get yeah. your head out of the way a bit and stuff. It was it was a bit of a strange one. So and mentally, like uh, there's obviously like the challenges that are facing mentally there. Like how do you kind of pick yourself back up, or was it because like for you, obviously you'd had these like knockbacks, knockbacks, knockbacks. So what kind of at that point in your life was going through your head to keep you coming back? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. To be honest, mate, I just. Obviously, I had I had a good attitude to train, and I've always been in, into me training. I've always been into me diet, um, so that helped. Like I, I didn't get injured and then go out on the piss and and just like not not look after myself. I always looked after me diet, looked after me. I wasn't a big drinker, um, so like that helped. Um, I just I, I enjoyed training. So mm. although I was doing rehab and stuff, you're doing you're still doing your weights, you're still getting out, you're going to training, you're getting paid for doing something you enjoy. So I always just thought positive and I always thought there's, there's people worse off than me. Mm. Um, I'm still getting paid and I'm doing something I enjoy. So I kind of just, I just knuckled down every time and just had a good attitude and just wanted to get back playing. Um, but obviously when I come, when I got a bit further on and I was struggling to get out of bed and I was, I was creaking down the stairs, then <laughs> that's when I kind of thought like, it's time to, time to start thinking about something else here. Mm. Yeah, it's like, well, especially rugby, obviously rugby, we know because we've been in the, the situation and like, I, I don't want to keep coming on here and bagging rugby league because, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to keep bagging rugby league because, I, I mean, I've done it enough <laughs> in a few episodes, I've said like, but only purely because I think there's just a miseducation or so obviously lack of funding. There's lo- there's loads of reasons why it can be like, um, I think more so miseducation of like people's emotional states and kind of their emotional intelligence in terms of like um like what like you know so uh, you've you've kind of instead of like you've got to look after the person behind that behind behind the, the, the player like you've got someone who's gonna yeah. run running run against a brick wall for for the team for the cause to, to progress yeah. in life to to get as far as you can in rugby but then when something when shit does hit the fan 
you just see you, you, you very rarely very rarely i'm not saying you don't but you very rarely got like extra help that extra support that extra how's it going mate like you like you just yeah. said you you had to invite you had to invite your friends around to look after you that that night do you know what i mean it's just yeah. like look like you could do that but some people potentially couldn't do that in a situation like you know they might have been like proper on their own and, and things like yeah. mad stories do happen and i just think yeah. like that that I don't, I don't i'm not like on this kind I of think, I, I think the game i think they're getting better since over the last few years coming towards the end they did have um like player welfare officers and stuff um but it depends what club, club you're at to, to be honest because yeah. at the time we had carl fitzpatrick at warrington and he, he, he was very good he was very good at his job he was always on tier he was chasing you doing these courses have, have a look what what do you want to do when you when you finish all this all this yeah. some other clubs are gone player welfare officer yeah pretty inexistent but yeah. um i think the rl cares are decent i did a few courses why i was playing um stuff that i want like i looked at doing and they, they funded some of them um but yeah, when when you finish playing, like I when I retired, since, since the day I retired, I've not really heard anything no. from the RFL. Kind of just yeah, you you, you move on and that's it. You you just you soon forgotten about in rugby. Yeah, I think I think it's not just rugby. I think it's uh, just sport, isn't it? It's like yeah, at the end of the day, the it's, it's high it's high pressure. I can understand from the point of view of like obviously the people above as well because they've. Their, their jobs on the line as well, just as much as ours. And like that, obviously they've been most of them have played rugby, so they've been through the situation where the life's on the line as well. So they kind of don't have much sympathy for the fact that if you're, if you're struggling like anyway. So I kind of understand yeah. where they're coming from because they're just like they're under the pump as just as much as we are in a sense. Um, yeah. So I, I do I do get that side of things, but like there's got I, I mean I'm not just going to go and speak here and like lecture like say oh yeah something must be done in rugby, but like you know it, it it is what it is. But I think like like you said there is there is steps in the right direction at the minute and things are moving in the right direction and you know um, yeah. let's just hope like hopefully things in the future we, we won't be having we'll have to have these conversations have a, a great support system and it'll be like just like football where but don't we I'm, I don't know actually you end up like football you get like spoon fed everything and you just become a bit of a melt so it's kind of it's kind of a give and take it's like obviously the the, tr the the hardships that you have to go through like kind of these pains it sets you up good for life afterwards like doesn't it like yeah. gives you like this extra bit of motivation, this extra bit of determination? Okay, you, we have got some battle scars, some mental trauma, so <laughs> going yeah. through. But yeah. it kind of does, um, it kind of does lend itself good to like progressing in actual life. Because at the end of the day, life's yeah. like to, for me, I see life as just like it is. It is a, it is a sport. It is a game. You're not really yeah. told what to do. You've got to find your position. You've got to find your, you know, you find what you're good at, and then like trying to like capitalize on those um on, on those on, on that yeah. area that you are good at and trying to excel from there and just grow yeah, you've got uh, to I see I see play like lots lots of players like looking getting their own businesses and stuff now and really thinking about after rugby um life after rugby and stuff it's it's good when you're playing but it's a short career and I've realized now that um yeah you, you need you need to get straight into something else you've literally got no time you finished playing rugby and you I don't, whether you live hand to mouth or not, but you've got to get straight into another career or another job. So you definitely need to be doing stuff while you're playing. So in terms of, uh, we'll go on the fitness side of things, in terms of fitness, obviously, what for you and yourself, like kind of what you, in rugby, what was your kind of go-to, like what, 
were you just one of these guys who you did your own program or did you like obviously use what they had because like a lot of clubs I went at there was it was kind of a a bit and obviously things are moving forward with SNC now and, and, and whatnot but like it was more of a blanket kind of thing or a, at least a split like forward and backs do you know what I mean it wasn't yeah. it wasn't much like specific like training for you for your body type which is massive now which like that that that's what should have been happening so like yeah. you're one of these people who took it in their own hands like I, I was one of these people who was like I would try and do my own stuff that I knew would benefit me because I was like I'm trying, trying to work on power speed uh, change direction yeah. that kind of thing so it wasn't really beneficial for me to keep trying to lift heavy weights like during like a you know, volume session like yeah okay yeah it did help me doing German volume training and stuff like that it did, did help but then it got to a certain point where it was like it was I noticed it was stifling my performance getting any bigger like we had um, Mick Potter at the time was just like going right everyone's got to be massive everyone's got to be as big as possible because he had the team before he was with Catalan and he was like um his idea was the bigger you are, the the, the easier it is to the harder you are to tackle. Exactly, exactly. That was it. Yeah. Uh, but that was a, like obviously a failed mantra when you're trying to put weight on a smaller frame of like someone like me or some some of the the English boys. He he was he was fortunate to have mainly Samoans in his uh, Catalan side, so yeah. they were all massive anyway. So they could just eat and carry that weight. Whereas my body and like a lot of the other lads' body wasn't designed to do that. So like just going back to the question, if like kind of what was your kind of programs where did you like and and, and moving forward now what do you do training wise day to day to keep yourself in shape because obviously you're still in you're still in decent yeah well I think at Warrington at the time the 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 coaches we had I think they were they were really good and probably ahead of the time I think we had uh, Bubble Chris Barron um, like what you were saying where Mick Potter wanted you all just to get massive he was really specific to positions forwards would do their own thing backs would do their own thing um, and he had some really good sessions. Even I can remember the fitness sessions, and that that were really good. We got the skiers in at the time, which would just come out. Yeah. The skiers. So when I was injured, I could like obviously my lower lower body injuries. I was doing this. I was doing these skiers all the time, and the weight sessions were all tailored to to what I could do. A lot of upper body, and I remember I was in I was in great shape when I was injured with my leg, like just smashing <laughs> the upper, smashing the upper body. I loved it. I had like. I had skinny legs, but I had a, a mint upper body. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I remember the, the sessions were, were good at Warrington. I was quite lucky there. We we had all the, the right recovery. We used to get the cryotherapy coming in every week. Um, all the supplements were great. Protein. We had a good nutritionist, James Moorhead. He was right. He was bang on it with all the, the protein, all your your sachets, your gels, your recovery stuff. Um, that like they were they were really on it. Uh, few of the other clubs I was at after that probably weren't as, as good as at Warrington. I was quite fortunate when I was there. But um, yeah, but like what you say, I, I used to go David Lloyd and do my own stuff as well in the evenings, like the stuff that I needed to work on, do a bit more rehab, a um, bit more upper body, um, a few more beach weights, arms, bench and chest to do a bit more of that. Um, so yeah, I was, I was always I was always into the gym since, since I was young. I'd do a lot of training. Um, so on your question as well, I still go to the gym now, David Lloyd, not as much um, because of family and business and stuff, but I still probably do four or five sessions a week. Um, not as much fitness. I do quite a lot of swimming, um, which I'm doing a bit with you, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, mainly swimming, bit of bike. Don't do much running because it just affects my leg. When I do a run, struggle to struggle to walk after it. It's, yeah. it's tough going on the leg, but um, yeah, I do what I can. I just want to keep in, in shape and keep fit. I don't need to be lifting the lifting the house 
house down, but um, as long as I can keep in an all right nick and just keep fit and, and stuff, that, that'll do me. Mm, it's because you're, uh, you're obviously your, your motives and you're like going to motivate you. They, 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 your motivations change, don't they? Like, obviously, you, you, the purpose for what obviously you, to be athletic and to be like this, like, um, finely tuned engine, like, stops because you don't really need to be. Um, you need to obviously just like. You, you, you need to be fit enough to get through the day to obviously look after your kids to like do the business stuff like that. but you don't need to be like you said lifting houses to, to, <laughs> to like you know you don't need to be in that kind of shape anymore but obviously it's still good to be in good shape because obviously I, I think it translates to if you can keep yourself in good shape and good like physical fitness then it translates through to other parts of your life as well it's like if you can yeah. be disciplined enough to do that then you can be disciplined enough to like be successful in business or be successful in marriage be successful in uh, being a, yeah. a parent and a dad, so I think I think it really holds yeah, true in terms of that. It's, it's it forms a purpose for that kind of side of things. One hundred percent. Yeah, we we've done it for so long. Or or your training and your gym. It's just a part of your routine. It's just like you don't even need to think about it. You're just it's all oh, going on the way home from work or at the gym. It's just it's just embedded in you. It's it's just what you do. Like you wake up in the morning, you have a coffee. You like you go to the gym. Like on the way home from work, you go to the gym. It's just it's just part of what we do. Yeah, I think like um, I'm just touching on diet again. You said like it, it, we didn't get much um, like one of the I won't say it was, but one of the pearls of wisdom that we got was um, basically just eat any as much as you want when you want, uh, and like you you train enough, so it's fine. And obviously now I'm getting delving into like nutrition. Nutrition is, has been like kind of training to be like that kind of thing it's really like the opposite kind of thing you should like be looking at. <laughs> it's like this, you just yeah, put yeah. so many sugars, inflammatory kind of compounds into your body. Like even these bars and these gels that we used to get, they're just like now looking at what they can do to your body. Like they're just so bad for you. But like, I think when you get away with it, when you are training at such a high level, your body's just like this machine that's like just cranking out and just like processing all this garbage and gets rid of it, takes what it needs and gets rid of it. But as soon as I notice massively, anyway, this is what made me kind of really focus on my diet more than anything was because after I stopped, I continued with a bit of a similar kind of diet that I was kind of getting fed from rugby just because obviously that was the, the the nuanced research at the time and that was the, the, the go-to kind of stuff that kind of obviously it was a very carb, carb-based diet that was like you know high rice like uh, glycemic index was like through the roof too like it was too high really it was quite sugary quite you know yeah. quick bursts of energy that was like kind of the, the mantra obviously without going into deep into the science it was just literally that's the kind of high carb diet basically yeah and then i tried to sustain this after thinking it was the right thing to do obviously because we weren't told any different sustain this after rugby but then once i stopped training i noticed to get all these um i had loads of gut gut problems i had like a little bit of a leaky gut yeah. issue and started to get like really bad um you know like kind of creasing over at night when i ate anything i was like what, what's going on so that's where i started to like delve into the books and like research kind of what was going on i went a little bit just i, I went a bit like semi-vegan for a bit just to get well just cut meat out and cut and just i just tried to cut everything out just to try and reset i went on like yeah. a couple of detoxes and then i started to reintroduce me and then started to go down the paleo route and uh, yeah. the paleo diet route and like kind of like eating how our paleolithic ancestors used to eat and like eating how the body has, has, has evolved over obviously yeah, millennia yeah. to get to where we are today and obviously yeah. like a, a lot of a lot of what we are told these days is that like the the diets that we have are farmers diets because we've only started farming to have ten thousand years ago roughly 
and the diet that we now have is like based around grains and seeds and all these things that are quite um um they're quite they're quite harmful to the gut and cause can cause over a yeah. chronic period over a long period of time it might not it's fine when you, you'll get away with it until you get to a certain age or like in ruby we had to smash these kind of types of diets loads of grains loads of sugars and all this and then over compound effects over many years it becomes um apparently you get all these like similar problems like you can get uh, chronic these chronic uh, ailments like gout and you can get you know, um, really severe joint pain. And with me, with my hip, I noticed it a lot more because I'm, I've been like in touch and in, in tune with what's happening, especially with my hip because of the pain that I've been going through myself for like three years now. And I noticed the more I ate in terms of this high carb, high sugar diet, the, the worse my, the less movement I had, the more sticking I had in the joint, the more pain I had, the more grinding I felt like I had. And then as soon as I switched to kind of a higher fat diet, like a 20% carb diet, that kind of 20, 20, 40, 60 kind of, uh, 20, 40, 30, was it? Yeah, uh, 20%, 40%, 40, 60, and 40%. Uh, so higher fat, lower oh, Mr. Crypto, lower you should know that. I know, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Uh, higher fat, lower carb diet. And like that, you start to realize that like that's kind of how. That yeah, the body should the body the body should use its fuel. Yeah, yeah. It your, take- your diet, your diet affects everything. Like how you feel, your mood. Um, like some mornings you feel a difference how you wake up, but it might be what you've had the night before or what you've had that morning. Um, but me and my wife did a recently did a test to check your intolerances to food and stuff. It's called a York test. Just a pinprick on your finger, blood sample. You send it off to a lab. They give you all your results and they go through hundreds of things and they tell you your intolerances on everything. It goes through coffee, um, bread, milk, all different meat, different wines. Um, there's hundreds of things on there and it goes from zero to 100 and it'll tell you on every single food your intolerances. Mine come back, I didn't have any intolerances. Um, <laughs> I, probably, I knew that anyway, I eat, I eat loads. <laughs> but um, my wife come back and she had all these different intolerances. She was 100% intolerant to um, Chardonnay, Pinot Grigio, she can't have yeast. She's intolerant to coffee, um, lemon, all these different things. So she was feeling sluggish and bloated and feeling a bit shitty all the time. And she's done this test and she just knows now what she can and can't eat and she feels a million times better. Um, so they're about £100 each but I'd recommend it to anyone because you could be eating stuff every day you could be waking up you could be having eggs or a coffee and you feel shit all day and it's just from what you're eating make these slight changes to your diet and you, you'll feel you'll feel a massive difference um, so it's called a York test for yeah. anyone who wants to do something yeah, like that one of the things that I kind of uh, try and do with uh, people who I uh, coach and, and mentor is I kind of get them to do a similar thing it's called a medica medica same things like kind of that kind of intolerance test and also tests um for key key blood markers as well just to to get make sure that what you're eating and your diet isn't affecting you like your physical performance and like your, your mental performance as well uh, similar yeah. kind of thing but i also i also really advocate 23 and me as well because like the data that, that brings up have you have you have you had that during the dna one DNA one, no. Which one no. is that? Is that your bone density and stuff? No, no, no. The DNA one, you take you, the twenty-three and me. They take your blood, obviously, to do your DNA. But over time, because more and more people um, are taking it, it, like it's a bit like an ancestry one, but also it's it's about your health as well. So it, like it'll link you to people in uh, the more and more data they get, it links you with people who have similar blood, of similar DNA to you, and like yeah. <clears throat> then it, it gives like a, a report, like a weekly and monthly report, and it tells you like kind of what intolerances you, you 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 can have or 
what kind yeah. of diseases you might get or what you might be. What's that one called? What's that one it's called 23 and Me. Honestly, it's really good. And obviously, I've, I've had it for like, I've, it's good. Yeah, right now. I've had it for uh, four years now. And like the, every time I log back on, you just get more and more data, more and more information. So like, yeah, I, I was I was on the other day said that like um, that my uh, muscle muscle density and muscle structure in terms of composition and muscle composition in terms of fast twitch slow twitch uh, fibers was um, that of a, a high level performing athlete. So I was like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. But then obviously okay. that makes sense because I played rugby professional sport. Like, but then other people might not have might have different might have different ones. And also it said that I might have. Uh, they don't say 100% because they don't want to like, you know, shoot themselves in the foot, but they say like, you know, you've got a 90% chance of having intolerance to, like I had wheat and gluten. So like, yeah, now I know to avoid that or stay away from it. I'm like, you can't, I, I get gluten-free bread, but it's not the same sometimes. If I'm at, if I'm at a meal, yeah. I'm not going to be like, like cardboard, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not going to, if I'm at a meal, I'm out, out, out for lunch, out for a, a nice, uh, yeah, yeah. nice meal and like they bring a nice baguette or ch- tiger bed. I'm oh. not going to say no, do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, a bit of olive oil and a bit of like balsamic exactly. and stuff. I'm not, dip, I'm not dipping like, away. I'm not going to say no way. Um, let, get get me the cardboard out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so it doesn't really. So so obviously that, that. But they're really good, honestly. And it get, it just keeps getting more and more data. The more you, the more the, the longer you leave it, the more data it is. Now there's millions and millions of people across the world doing it. So I think you straight away you'd get loads of data. But I did it years and years and years ago when it was like just starting. So there was hard, at yeah. first I logged on. I was like, what was the point of me? spending 80 quid for this test now it's like you're getting all these like benefits and you just get you just painted a picture of your body yourself like because without yeah. without having without having like on-call doctors or having the money to pay for a doctor to test your bloods all the time you can't get all this like you know you can't get all yeah. this data but it's getting easier it's getting cheaper obviously to like you just done you just done an intolerance test i did like a medicare test which tested major blood markers and stuff like that liver liver function you know uh, yeah. your, your testosterone levels all that kind of stuff like they are getting cheaper, but they're still 100, 120 quid, 150 quid a pop. Like, not yeah. the average person can't afford these things, but 23andMe, because the data keeps going and going and going. I'm not, I'm not affiliated to these, by the way. I'm not. I'm not oh, do, you have to, do you have to do a regular, regular test for this? No, no, no. It's just because you're, you're doing it. The, the more people that take it, it just kind of, it's, it's building a map of like similar, oh, yeah. your, your DNA strikes with someone else who's taken it. Like, oh, that's similar to theirs by like 98%. Yeah. So then yeah. if they have, if they have like troubles, like ailments then more than likely you will so the more that yeah, people yeah. do it the the, the the more accurate it gets if you know what i mean yeah yeah but yeah well, it's, good, it's, it's really good mate. yeah and especially like in terms of like the biohacking trying to, try to make yourself this one percent better every day kind of thing it's it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's vital to look at like different markers and stuff to see where where you need to tweak and what, what's what's good for you what's not um so we'll quickly touch on quickly touch on there kind of like uh the biohacking thing in terms of and then we might go into a little bit of investing and then we'll go into uh we'll yeah. talk about the uh the business and what you've your, your, your brand and, re- and what you've done about it and your relaunch so like um i obviously with the with the biohacking thing i, I know it's just like a, a bit of a a bit of a keyword at the minute a bit of like uh oh yeah biohacking but it's essentially just trying to live better I'm trying to feel like, you know, more energy, yeah. just find, trying to, do you know that feeling of like... It's just doing things in your everyday life that are going to give you that 1%, 2% little advantage to, to work better, to sleep better, to to perform better, uh, just to live better, basically. And it's, yeah. some of them are cost a bit of money, uh, so not everyone can do them, but there's things that you can do that are free, like, that you do every day, but you just make a tweak and you might make you feel better so it, it, they're worth doing there's a lot of, lot of biohacking stuff at the minute um, I'm, I'm big on it myself I know you are mm. 
So like for me, it was uh, kind of that pursuit of um, just getting myself back fit in terms of not even fit, just pain free. Do you know what I mean? That, that yeah. for me was the big one. Like because I've like I, I knew that like I'd, I I was knocking I was knocking rugby on the head once I had that operation and it didn't go well and I felt like a, a, a crunch and I was just like right that's that, it wasn't like I couldn't get back and I didn't have the passion or desire to get back because I always like if someone said like play rugby now I'd like I'd like to play a game. Do you know what I mean? But like in terms of the the, the, the work that just it wouldn't be worth it in terms of the pain like it just wouldn't be worth no, it no no it won't, like, won't be worth it no they'd have to pay a lot of money to like have a game like now it's just would well, you not know, just I, I, I'd, I'd love to just have a have a go like just a game again oh. but like the, the thing is with me that's why that's why I'd break a leg on. I'd break a leg <laughs> quite literally uh, um, yeah. but this is where it came from in terms of like I really wanted to like be pain free mate that was it and like i was playing it was like apparent after about six months a, a year after after the operation and then i thought like oh yeah i feel all right you know it's a bit bit painful but they say it can be painful for up to like two years and all this and so i was like okay i can i can kind of manage that in my head mentally i'll just get over it it's just like going to be aches and pains a little bit of rehab a little bit of stretching and it'll go but then i was playing football with um Atlas, I think Atlas was just born. I'm just like kicking a little tiny football to him, and just like on my obviously it's my it's my left leg, but I'm right footed. But I just like was messing around and just tried to like uh, just just literally tap a little ball on the side of my foot, just side foot it, and my toe, my big toe caught like the edge of just the edge of a pavement, and it just it sent this like horrible like shock down my leg, and it just like held this like crunch, and I just couldn't get out of bed for like two days. I was like. Really? A year after, I was like, so what's going on? So that, then I'm going from that, and then I had scans and whatnot. I have got a bit of floating bone in my hip, but that could have yeah. been straight after the operation. That could have been any time during rehab. Like I said, I heard a crunch go. So like, I'm, obviously, that, that this pursuit of not feeling in pain is like what, what stopped, started me off on this kind of biohacking journey in terms of like, you know, getting the breath work, meditation, all these all these things that are free. Like you don't have yeah. to like, you don't have cold to showers. Fortune, cold water therapy. Like obviously we did all this in rugby, like massively into ice baths. I used to love ice baths, mm. but then obviously yeah. once they had the Wim Hof kind of uh, uh, breathing techniques as well. And again, I don't, you shouldn't do it every day. You should only do this, like the breathing techniques once a week, because it can be quite, um, it's, 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 it's quite an intensive kind of therapy. You shouldn't be doing it every single day. You should do it yeah, once it's a week. Yeah, it's intense, intense the breathing, like, yeah. It's not, kind of hyper, you can just, yeah. hyperventilating, do you know what I mean? It's like you don't want yeah. to be doing it every single day, but it's good to get your body into an alkaline state once a week, not all the time. Yeah. Um, but then the kind of cold water therapies, the, the red light therapy, which I'm a massive advocate on because, um, like, obviously it's, it's it's really helped me. That was one thing that, like, I know it's really helped me massively. So, like, just increased ATP uh, in, in your uh, in the Krebs cycle, it speeds up the Krebs cycle within the cell of the mitochondria, which produces extra ATP, adenosine triphosphate, which is used in every single process of the body. So red light therapy can cause, like, can, can help so many things, like so many ailments, scars, you know, skin problems, eczema, rehair growth. People use it, like, you know, uh, Ben Greenfield. You know, ben, <laughs> you know Ben Greenfield. Yeah. You know Ben. Yeah. Greenfield. So he's like a massive advocate of it, and he like uses it in the morning. Obviously, so he says it's like waking up instead of a coffee. Do you know what I mean? Um, and he, he, yeah. he like he actually has it on his balls. He use he puts it on his balls to increase testosterone. He has it. He has, there was a thing on his uh, Instagram. No one knows who Ben Greenville is. Go and check him out. He's a legend. Um, but he had it on his balls to increase testosterone levels. <laughs> so he's walking around with his yeah. patch on his thing for like twenty minutes a day. Yeah. <laughs> like, funny. There's so many things that it's going for. So like, what what things have you 
kind of cryotherapy as well like is, is amazing but what kind of things biohacking things have you tried and had success on and which ones that you haven't had success on yeah so, so for me the the best one that I've, I've done i do daily is a cold shower so i've not i don't do hot showers anymore uh, it might seem very strange to some people but since christmas which is about six months i just have cold showers morning and night that's it i just feel a benefit instant benefit than compared to anything else cold shower two minutes straight away feel better in the morning ready to go um in an evening it like it's good it just calms me down helps me sleep better so cold showers is a big one obviously take all my supplements omega-3 vitamins um taking a supplement at the minute called from from a company called heights that's supposed to be really good for brain brain fog brain function all that sort of stuff um i'm into like my turmeric shots um green tea I'm into like at the minute into my teas rather than coffee. And I'll just have a coffee, but I like a company called Mission Tea. They do all different um, yerba mate tea, green tea, recovery tea, sleep tea, all that sort of stuff. They're really good. You can have them hot or cold. Um, they're great. Alongside that, I do cryotherapy once a week. That's made more for my leg, but there's benefits for that as well. It helps with stress, anxiety. When I do cryotherapy, sleep, amazing. I have the best night's sleep ever after that. I'm like a log. Um, so cryotherapy is great. Um, and then we started doing like the open water swimming again, which is not cold at the minute because it's summer, but that's something else that it's just cold water therapy. It helps you feel good and you feel a benefit when you get out. There's also um, do a bit of meditation and yoga now and again. Struggle a bit with yoga because the not flexible me injuries and stuff it's it's pretty hard but when i can I'll, I'll do a bit of that meditation bit of breathing um so yeah there's, there's loads mate and they all they all have a little benefit in their own way it might only be a one percent benefit like do a bit of meditation and that and my mind wanders i struggle with that um but if it makes me feel one percent different and feel a bit relaxed after it then it, it's worth doing um like acupuncture that sometimes helps shoulders. I've had a few shoulder injuries, torn little muscles and yeah. torn scaps and stuff like that. So acupuncture helps. Um, I find acupuncture amazing, to be honest. Like that's that's one of the things yeah. that like, really got me back from being like. Yeah, I, I'll got, tell you what. I got an acupuncture. I got an acupuncture mat on Amazon. Uh, it's only about twenty quid. Um, it's basically just a mat that you lie on. It's like a yoga mat, but it's got loads of little spikes on it. Yeah. So you just lie on that on your back or you can stand on it or put your legs on it. And it just, for a few minutes, five to 10 minutes, and it's just loads of these little spikes and it's just like acupuncture all over your body. And it just, all the blood, brings all the blood to that area, helps with inflammatory and, and loads of stuff. Uh, I'd recommend that as well. Uh, that can that can give you a benefit. It might not work for some, but I feel it does help me a bit. Yeah, it's like a, a, lot of the, a lot of these things, like you said, just getting that little like 1%, 0.5%, out of things i know it might seem like a futile kind of pursuit of like trying to get this trying to be better but then these one percenters a day like really do make them like compound at the end and do do make a massive difference yeah. to, like your yeah. overall health for, and well-being for, for me like the cryotherapy it's not cheap but for me with all the injuries i've had um it's it's something that i, I just need to do really because um obviously coming coming a bit older now with my leg and all these injuries it's going to catch up on me if I don't do all the right things I don't have a good diet and go to the gym this the, all these injuries will, will catch up on me my leg will seize up and 
if, if I don't watch out, I'll, I'll, I'll really struggle. So the cryotherapy, although it, it costs a bit of money, if that's going to help me prolong a, a better quality of life and be able to, to do stuff and be with the kids and run around and, and stuff, then it's something that I'm willing to willing to do. So on the, on the back of that, moving forward in terms of progression in life and sport and whatnot, is there anything that you kind of like want to pursue in terms of physical uh, attributes, in terms of physical accolades in the next few years? Like, as I've, I've mentioned briefly to you today when we were open water swimming, and uh, like introduces open water swimming, which is obviously something that's like anyone could do really. Because it's just there's loads of yeah. there's loads of just wear a wet, wear a wetsuit. Yeah, just wear a wetsuit because yeah. it's a lot harder without a wetsuit. You want that oh, bit of extra buoyancy, mate. No, but like, in, yeah, in terms of like moving forward, like I want to do like um, I want to raise I want to raise awareness and I want to raise some money to in terms of stem cell therapy for my hip because I got told the other week that yeah I'm probably need a hip replacement by the time I'm forty, which is not not great. And obviously I don't I, I don't want to take that as uh, gospel from the doctors and surgeons who operated on my hip in the first place and made a mess you know what i mean um yeah so i i want to i want to kind of uh, raise awareness and money for um for certain charities i've, I've been speaking to andy reed uh, you know the, the he was on the podcast yeah. he's, he's he had his legs uh, blown off in Afghanistan. Uh, i think it's afghanistan was iraq yeah one of the yeah, uh, in, conf- in a conflict zone essentially and he um he's he's got a charity so we're gonna work in tandem with him and hopefully get some things going but i want to do a um kind of athletic kind of athletic challenges ish like kind of you know I've, i'm speaking to my friend in dubai to do like um a water a, 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 ma- a marathon kind of run in the desert and then kind of well i'll run i say jog walk whatever and then do uh, some kind of mountain biking thing around a, a trial around there then do like kayaking swimming and a, uh cycling a bit like a, a multi-event multi-sport event uh and trying yeah. to get some money along the way doing that and i'm, I'm like things like that, I want to still do, even though I'm in pain, even though I've got like a, a sore hip and stuff. I still want to do these things. Like I did an ultra marathon the other the other last uh, October with my mate Matthew, Matty Dyes, who's been on the podcast. Um, yeah, that was that caused me a lot of pain to be fair, which is a bit daft. But these things, like I don't, I don't want to stop moving. Do you know what I mean? Maybe though, no, maybe, no. That, maybe those pursuits of like endurance events is a bit daft because I've got a bad hip. But um, it's like kind of yeah. it's almost built in to like push my body to like. Yeah, yeah, there's stuff, loads of stuff. All like, like the free peaks and these like walking mountain challenges and stuff are all great. And um, yeah, there's there's lots you can do. Mm. And is there anything that you are gonna do in in future, or you just you just literally gonna exercise just as a a, a means to no, I'm, just no, I'm will I'm willing to willing to do all any of these challenges. Um, like if if you were doing something and you needed people on board, I'd definitely be keen. We're working with a few charities and stuff with Fuel Up now as we grow. Uh, we really want to get some affiliation with charities and during the pandemic last year we we donated a lot of free meals to the nhs and we were down at warrington hospital every week so literally every every order that we we got we donated meals to to the nhs um at warrington hospital so we were down there all the time just dropping meals off um and well, yeah we're, we're really up for doing working with charities and maybe like a mind mental health charity and stuff like that um yeah, there's lots that we've got in the pipe, but yeah. right. So going obviously just segueing nicely into your business. What kind of? I remember when we were sat in a coffee shop. I think it was in a Manchester after a training session where we both like just 
because we've been hitting our head against the wall for like so long and like being in the, the injury room. This is why I was saying it's good to go through these pains, being like segregated, be on your own, being in the physio room all the time. Me and you were just ended up just like chatting together and like got on and started to form a bit of a friendship there because we were both injured. So then we then you were talking about I was at the time I was setting up my gym and um you were um, you was you were about talking about setting up fuel hub. So yeah going from that point were were from that point then, from that, obviously those seeds, those first chats that we had in the coffee shop to obviously you talking to, to Michelle, to, to now what's what's happened. You can obviously bring Michelle in whenever you want, but you can, yeah, talk, you can talk about the first bit and then from you, go on, carry on. Yeah, so literally we just started off. I was, I was at a point in rugby and I knew I didn't have long left. There was every game I was struggling to, to get up for it and I knew... One one extra one another leg break that could that could put me in a wheelchair. So I had to to make these things. So I remember speaking to Michelle and saying like, look, we've been using these companies, these meal companies, and they weren't great. We were we were getting meals, and I was I was I was big into my diet. So I was thinking, right, save me all the time and prepping and, and stuff. We'll get our own. And after a few months of doing this, I was like to Michelle, like we could do something like this. We could create create a business and and create something similar. Michelle was in fashion. She wanted a bit of a change as well. So while I was playing um, rugby, we were we were putting all this into doing all this behind the scenes and trying to create something. And we were getting domain names and setting up setting up accounts, speaking to people about premises, about websites, and just finding a bit of information about how it works. Um, and obviously, we come up with a name, Fuel Hub, and we started putting things into action. And just coming up two years ago now, we launched it. Um, didn't really. We both didn't have a big, big idea about what was what it entailed, and I think we, we do now. Obviously, it's a lot of lot of stress, a lot of hard work. But um, yeah, two years down the line, I don't think we could have imagined where we are now. Um, like I say, a lot of hard work, but um, but yeah, we, we started fuel up just coming up two years ago. I had quite some some good contacts in rugby and stuff, so we straight away we were on the on the right foot. We we're giving meals to Warrington Wolves. All the lads were, were posting about it and, and helping us out. And a few few people we know, James Morhen, the nutritionist, boxers were on it. And literally within the first month, we went from just doing a few meals for friends and family. We were doing a few hundred meals a week straight away. Um, so we were getting chefs in and staff um, and we were in this premises. And like, it was it was a massive learning curve. Like we, we didn't, know like how long shelf life was on food how you'd cook it what equipment you need but we learned quickly and um literally we, we got all this amazing equipment in and and stuff and it just continued to grow um and as the pandemic hit we obviously people couldn't leave the house they needed food delivered into the door people didn't want to go to supermarkets and we just seen an influx of orders straight away um as the panic started and the pandemic started so we were thinking, oh my God. So we had to get more staff, more equipment um, and things just, just snowballed from there really. So we started doing like well over a thousand meals every week and about six six months ago, we had to start looking for a new premises because uh, we'd outgrown that one. We had too many fridges in there. We, we had too many staff all in one, one room and this was a 900 square foot unit. It was still quite big. And when we initially got it, it, it seemed massive. We were like, God, this is a big thing to take on. Like, it's too big. But within within just over a year, we'd, we'd outgrown that. And um, we're in our new premises now. 
we're in our new office. We've got a 4,000 square foot unit. Um, we've got five chefs at the minute, a couple of guys part-time. We've got people doing social media, um, people working behind the scenes, we've got photographers. And things have just, just really grown and, and we're doing thousands of meals every week now and that's continued to grow. And tomorrow we're launching our brand new website, which has been about five months in the making. We're rebranding. We're going fully sustainable as a business. So no more plastic. Everything's fully sustainable. Um, literally down to ice packs, boxes, tubs, um, everything. So, so there's been some massive changes for us. The last five months has been nonstop leading up to tomorrow as it happens. Yeah, tomorrow. So when this obviously goes out, this will all be live. And obviously probably uh, when it'll be Monday, it'll go out. So you will have had um, nearly, a, nearly a week's worth of orders. So it'll be interesting to... Hopefully, well, yeah. it goes out. Be interesting to see, obviously, how things yeah. are going. But like, obviously, everything that you've been doing so far is like amazing. Obviously, I've had the food quite on the new sound as, as Bob on. So it's like, uh, if anyone yeah. obviously plug everything you got, like, uh, so it's got fuelup.co.uk. Fuelup.co.uk, and um, yeah, the meals are amazing. Um, the, the guys, well, how's, the how's it work? Because obviously, how's it work in terms of ordering? Like, um, some some companies is like. You just get given a set meal plan that you got. got no, so so for us it's different. For us it's different. It's it's all online. So obviously that's why the website's such a massive thing. We've we've had three websites now, but this one is is going to be really amazing. It's it's going to take us to the next level. Um, like I say, it took months, uh, months of planning. It's cost a lot of money, and this is really going to propel propel our business. Um, so how it works? You log onto the website, you select your plan how many meals you want per day, how many meals you want per week. You can then select your meals. The menu changes weekly, which is a, a good USP for us that other companies don't do. There's a roughly 25 meals on there every week. There's a mixture of veggie, fish, meat, um, or chicken, steak, lamb, all sorts, low-carb meals. So you log on there every week. You can select your meals, and it's a subscription-based service, uh, which, which I'll touch on is one of the best things we ever did, the subscription-based we thought, oh, people don't want to sign up to a subscription, but they actually do. It's just, it's easy. You don't have to order every week and put your details in. So you sign, you, you log in, you sign up, fully fully flexible subscription. You can pause, cancel, skip, or whatever at any time. But your meals just get delivered weekly to your house by a DPD. Or if you're in Warrington, we've got a local delivery driver. Um, so yeah, it's amazing. Just select how many meals you want per week. We'll do the rest. Meals get delivered to your house. The payments come out weekly and literally literally that's it the meals they, they are restaurant standard meals they are, they're amazing everyone we speak to uh, loves the meals we've got five star on trust pilot every every review is amazing um so so yeah that, that's how it works and it's it's really it's going well what do you think was the, like the kind of catalyst that kind of got you going and kind of like from that zero to work like that that first initial like booming order, what was that initial catalyst you think that started off? Because you said you just um, one day you were like making meals enough for family and friends, then next week you're not. Where was that coming? Yeah, from? well, I say that, but it was a slow process. We obviously we launched and then we'd get a few orders from Warrington, but building like we'd, we'd have orders from sports teams and stuff who from people who are new, but your actual organic customers coming through the website from. We're a nationwide company, so we've got a lot of customers in London, Scotland, Birmingham, anywhere. So building up them organic customers takes time. Like if you set up an Instagram account and you've got 100 followers, customers aren't just going to come on and look at that and order. 
you've got a Trustpilot account with no reviews, if you've got Google, um, you, you're on the last page on Google, you're not going to get customers straight away. It's a very slow process. Word of mouth, trust, it all takes time. So we're nearly two years in now and we've, we've built up all these social channels, Trustpilot, et cetera, Google. And this is where your organic customers just come in now because they trust you. They, they look what other people have said, referrals, word of mouth, um, and you've got to build up this confidence and, and, and trust in people to, to spend spend the money. They're spending the hard-earned cash and it's, it is a premium service like compared to, to other like just nipping to the supermarket, obviously you are paying a premium, but you're saving yourself so much time and cooking and cleaning and you are saving an hour plus a day yeah. getting sort of our service. And if you've got kids and a busy job and you want to go to the gym, then it, it's, that's what it is. We, we found we've done a lot of research into our customers and a lot of them are just your, your normal middle-aged, you've got kids, you've got a busy job rather than your sports people and your athletes. It's just people who lead busy lifestyles. They want convenient, healthy meals ready in three minutes. And that's what we are. Yeah, well, like for me, that's like kind of, I love cooking and stuff, but it's, um, and it, it does take up, it does take up time. You got to go, go to, sh go to, sh you got to go to the shop and that takes up an hour maybe. And especially with the kid, with the kids, it's like, that's, that's, yeah. that's why it, it is appealing to do it. Like, and, and yeah, that's why I think definitely. obviously not on top of the fact that obviously it, it, it's good nutritional wise, it's good for you in terms of um like for for athletic purposes but also like you said your demographic after 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 getting all the research all the data from i'm, I'm sure like on website and website data and whatnot you've kind of seen that it's just the the, the regular person who's got a busy lifestyle which is a kind of is, is this why you've kind of decided to make this kind of a bit lean into this kind of uh, not yeah the eco kind yeah, of, of things is that your demographic is more in line with your demographic of uh, customers. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you want me to bring Michelle in at this stage? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to call a hell of a lot of tubs? So the amount of plastic, like your customer, delete it from the meal straight in the bin. It's just a lot of wasted plastic. Whereas our new tubs, you could just put on your compost heat and it would just degrade. Um, you just basically throw, throw it into your bin at home and it or put it in your compost heat if you, if you, if you, if you that way inclined. And, um, Who has a compost heat? Uh, <laughs> 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 compost heat? <laughs> 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 Who actually has a compost heat? <laughs> you just, you just throw it in your compost heat, you know, <laughs> generate that extra. Anyone with a compost heat? People might think you have to have a compost heat. It says compostable then. Biofuels. You're making some biofuel as well as a, as a, as a byproduct. That'd be good. There you go, that's good. <laughs> but, it, but it is, it's amazing, and, and that in itself is a huge thing for us. But the main problem for us has been um, our current website. There are a lot of barriers there for the user. The user friendly, the user journey isn't friendly enough. Um, we're, we're looking at the analytics every day and seeing what organic traffic comes to the website and the conversion rate is so small. And it's because I can see how long people are on our site for, the yeah. content they're getting to. Um, and it's basically the website is not functioning at all properly. Um, and the biggest thing for us as a brand, as a company, was to, to, to remedy that. And we've, as James has said before, we've spent six months creating this new website, which launches tomorrow. Um, I was here for 16 hours yesterday, mm. sat on the desk, you know, just trying to bring everything together. And um, this is going to make things a thousand times better for our, for yeah. our customers. Um, we hate the fact that when you've got an account with us at the moment and you, you log in, it's so difficult for you to 
slightly weaker meals and blood issues, this is going to be revolutionary for us because actually, if you're on what we call a split plan, which is um, you get a delivery on a Sunday and a Wednesday, which is what most people do. Yeah. Really. So you, just on that, you, your meals stay fresh for about about what is it five days. Five days yeah. So if you're getting your delivery on a Sunday, you want your meals for the full week. That means meals Thursday and onwards, like they'll go out of date basically. Yeah. So we've started saying, if you come online, you order 10 meals a week, you'll get six on a Sunday, four on a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, obviously, your Sunday meals are cooked on the Saturday, your Wednesday meals are cooked on the Tuesday. So your meals are always fresh. So you get these two deliveries. You just don't have to worry. Get your box, put your meals in the fridge, and your meals are always fresh, and it tastes amazing. So that's the purpose of splitting the yeah. deliveries. I think that, and, and it's a good point because actually now with the website and its current format, um, if you are having split deliveries, um, you can't select which meals you have on which drop, which delivery. So for us, we always say, you know, maybe when we've got a lovely steak on the menu, the customer might want to have that on a Friday evening, or yeah. they might be training, they might have a big session on a, a Thursday evening, they want a certain amount of carbs that night, or whatever. But there's no functionality to do that. Um, so it was all manual. So James would manually go through every order, which was hundreds every week. And manually split the deliveries, and it was just so manual. So that's yeah. really all automated. Not for us, which is amazing, but for the customer, you can select what meals you want on which day. You can also select what snacks, breakfast, juices you want in which delivery. So it's so much easier for the customer, isn't it? Yeah, it makes um, a ma massive, aspect. massive difference. Yeah, makes a massive difference. difference. It'll give us more, a lot more time to to go out and court business and get into like offices and, and gyms and these all these these places because it'll just be saving us time. Like it's so manual, like on. Like through the week, it took me hours to, to go through each order, and then we obviously have to give the, the orders to the chefs. They have to order the stock, and it was just a massive rigmarole every single week. Whereas now the website will literally en enable us to just print off a report with how many meals we need, literally within a few minutes. Give that to the chef, and then straight away he says like, oh, "We need this many chicken breasts. We need this much broccoli. This many potatoes." And it'll just be so so much easier. It's just, it's just for us, we're just trying to integrate technology as much as we can it's like kind of the, the the money that you've obviously spent out in terms of to do, to do the rebranding for the website it's going to make itself back in a matter of probably weeks <laughs> you know what i mean it's I, hope, I hope i hope we <laughs> <laughs> This is your house and your office and the, yeah, the, we, the we, live in, we live in the we, office. We actually contemplated moving in, but you know, bringing the kids there and actually, you know, just get rid of the house uh, and start moving in here. <laughs> Class, right? Uh, so <laughs> in the next, in the next like six months, what's six months a year, two years? What's your plans? What are you gonna you're gonna branch out in terms of just food? You're gonna go to juices? Are you gonna do what? Are you gonna go from what's your plan moving forward? And then the bigger picture, five years down the line, what do you want to do? Well. We're expanding our um, our range, like literally this week as we speak. So we're, we're introducing breakfast, snack pots, which is like your food on the move sort of thing from M and S, your little chicken bites and all this sort of stuff. We're bringing in more snacks, which are like uh, protein balls, protein brownies, etc. And we're doing we're doing a few juices, just like um, like your like your not like a fruit juice, like your like your spinach, cold pressed juices, cold pressed. Yeah. All that have got a specific, um, specific benefit to be on the on the website. So we've created six juices, anti-inflammatory ones, obviously for the gut health, probiotics, 
a good range of things, um, immunity and energy and stuff like that. So you'll see, um, as Jane said, just expanding the product category. Um, but, but now what we need to do is it's almost like we feel this was a bit of a blank canvas for us. We feel like we're starting again almost. We've still got 200 subscribers that we're bringing over from the original site to the new site. But we feel like this is a blank canvas really in terms of just kind of starting again really. Once we've built all this up, um, we have got plans. I've certainly got plans of where I think we can um, expand to the future. But I guess it's top secret really. I'll oh, tell cool. you secretly off this podcast. <laughs> cool. At our, ne- at our next swim. <laughs> yeah, next swim. Yeah, and you're coming to the next swim, by the way. You're coming oh, in. Definitely, yeah, 100%. Yeah. You're getting yourself. You're bringing her armbands. Danielle's coming as well. Yes, you're I'll get her in. I'll bring Stanley's armbands and rubber rings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When's the next next one? Next, next Sunday then? So next Sunday, we're on. We're on for next Sunday. We do next Sunday, can't we? A week next Sunday. Well, obviously, England are playing this Sunday. Um, and then, yeah, the Sunday after, we'll do a swim. Sweet. So, like, last, just before you go, um, what kind of, how, how do we find you? How do we, how do you get, if anyone's listening to this and thinks, oh, yeah, I, I want I want some meals and why why just briefly summarize why why you uh, in terms of meal plan preps because there's obviously th- hundreds out there and then um, kind of how to find you and uh, what what's the best way to kind of get in in into fuel hub. Well, first one for me is obviously quality of the product. The like I said, we tried a lot of other companies and our meals. It is a restaurant standard meal. If you went to any any restaurant, top restaurant, and you had you had that meal, you'd say, "Oh, that, that tastes amazing, it's delicious," and you'd have you'd have no complaints. So that's number one. Um, I think as well, you you look on our trust pilot reviews. You know, we are the highest rated cooked meal plan in the UK. Um, so obviously that's a testament, and yeah, just read the reviews. I say for the quality, customer service wise as well. I mean, we are so focused on customer service, and we've never ever had. A complaint we've never had anybody we are so customer service and uh, based we see ourselves as a, a big fuel family and everybody is as important as the next customer and um, or sports team or whatever so oh sorry that's my website man calling me yeah so literally we, 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 we know that we are the best our team are amazing um and we promise the best possible service and the best products um, and sustainability and you know so much exciting things coming through we're always gifting our customers anyway we don't shout about it but we're always putting little gifts in our customers boxes every week well, thank you for loyalty there's more of that to come more yeah. collaborations so, it's yeah. experience our customers they look they tell us they look forward to the, the their delivery every week it's when your box gets put on your doorstep, it's exciting for people. They open the box, oh, what meals have I got this week? And um, it's it's something really exciting for the customers. Should be exciting. I think, you know, being able to log on every week and, and, and to the website, look at the beautiful imagery of gorgeous food you're going to get and being able to go on there and go, right, what am I going to have next week? And we're like, that and choose. It should be exciting. Food yeah. should be a joy for everybody. It's not, we say fuel your body and, yeah. you know, you should fuel your body in the right way, but it should also be, so enjoyable and that's what we want to create we want healthy food at the speed of life as we call it but also it needs to be enjoyable you know you, you want to be opening that meal and going you know we know a lot of meal prep companies don't have this but you want to be open and go, wow can't wait to eat this i can't wait to get home tonight i've got pepper fried chicken home yeah, 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 yeah. waiting for me at home that is what we want to create it's this mm-hmm. amazing experience of food but also as james has been saying a lot giving you that extra edge giving that competitive edge you know you know, eating inflammatory foods all the time. People don't understand how damaging it is for everything. I mean, I know we're all into biohacking, but just 
on a normal day, if you're eating food for constantly, you know, inflammatory food, it's the worst thing you can do. It's not just your body, it's your mind. Yeah. And you've got to, and our food will help you perform at your best. And I don't mean just physically, I mean mentally as well. You'll, if you know you've got breakfast, lunch, dinner, all sorted, that in itself is in a brilliant state of mind to be in. You've got yeah. snacks in between, you've got a cold fresh juice, you've got protein snacks, you sort it for the day, you can just smash your day. Yeah. You don't have to worry about anything, it's done. And that, that's, that's yeah. what we offer, it's just a package for everybody. 100%. Well, you sold it to me. Where do I sign up? <laughs> we'll give you your <laughs> No, honestly, yeah. Honestly, guys, it's been great catching up with you. And I can't wait to get you in the pool and get some open water swimming next week. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Thanks for coming on, guys. Have, a good, have a good day. Thanks, Take mate. Care, See you later. Yeah. See you in a bit. Bye-bye. See you, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, everybody. And please get over to fuelhub.co.uk, check them out and order your meals from there. The, the new website is absolutely seamless, absolutely beautiful, works perfectly. Um, and yeah, it's if you want to do your bit to help save the planet, then they are the food company to go for. Um, and also, if you want to find out more about them, they are at fuelhub.uk on Instagram. So go and check them out and then see, you can see all the food there and some quality pictures. Yeah, so thanks for listening again, and I will see you next time.